Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today, I want to finish our uh, Blessed Life, Best Life message series. Today, I want to talk to you specifically and let you know that God's plan is the best plan. Say that with me. God's plan is the best plan. You know, you can even do a little play on words there. You can say God's plan is the blessed plan. I kind of messed around with that. It's a tongue twister for me. I, I kept saying blessed pan, but I'm looking forward to that for lunch too, okay? God's plan is the best plan. Isaiah chapter 55, uh, verse eight and nine, the Bible says this about God's plan and man's plan. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let me tell you, God knows better than we do. Today, I want you just to get okay with that, just to be okay with God's plan. Now, if this was a math class, I'd give you a math formula so that you can understand this. It's four words and one symbol. Here it is. God's plan is greater than man's plan. It's that simple. One is dominant, one is subordinate. One is in control, one should be under authority. It's good to plan. It's good to plan. It's good to have a vision for your life. But our vision for our lives ought to line up with God's plan for our lives. Now, this message today, I'm going to be talking about God's plan. Specifically, I'm talking about money, but I'm not even starting off talking about money. I'm going to talk about family. It's in the context of what happened in Uvalde, Texas this week. Rob Elementary School, how many of you, that's been hard to watch. It's been very difficult to watch. I don't even understand how that a person can do something like that to another person, especially some of the most innocent people. It's nothing new. We've seen this before. We saw it in Broward County at Parkland. We saw it at Columbine. We've seen it in Kentucky. It's happened. It didn't just happen in the last decade. I think actually the largest school shooting actually took place over 100 years ago. How could people do this? Well, I know one thing. When you look at this, what you see is a lot of similarities uh, with the shooter. Now, let me say, when I'm looking at it, we're thinking about, you know, there's a lot of terrible emotions and thoughts and you, realities. Think about this. What I've learned and it seems like there was a teacher that walked out a door that is typically secure. And what I read was that she was going out to her car to get her cell phone and left the door propped open. That's how the shooter entered the school. Just this week, Pastor Andrick went out of the office and, you know, we have key fobs that let you in. He walked out and it closed behind him. And I heard him knocking and he called me because, you know, our offices are right next to each other. 
he called me and asked if I could let him in. I did. I talked to him through the door for a little bit. I just let him hang out there just for a second. (laughs) But you see how that stuff happens. You know, that's human behavior. That stuff is going to happen. It is impossible to control every single human behavior. Because, you know, trying to get a hold of somebody in the school is a lot different. You know, trying to get a hold of somebody at a restaurant is difficult. Trying to get a hold of somebody in, you know, a a, a tax office is difficult. They can get a hold of you real easy, though. They just hit end on your bank account. Boom, you're done, right? That, it seems like, it sounds like that the chief of police ordered the Evalde police to stand down and not go on in. That's hard to hear. You can go all through this thing and you can find things. It's the same thing in Parkland. In Parkland, there was a school resource officer that saw it going and he didn't go in. There's a school resource officer, school resource officer there and he was not on the property. You'll never be able to control all of that. You just can't. If you have ever led a lot of people, you, if you have kids, I have a friend, he told his son to clean his room. His son would never clean his room. So he got so tired, he took the hinges off the door, took the door off his bedroom and says, when you clean your room, you can have your door back. That's hard work to leave. It's almost impossible to get people in an organization to do exactly what you want them to do. Now, we ought to have good police, and we ought to have secure buildings, and we ought to have a rapid response, and all of those things. That's not even what I wanted to talk about. But I want you to look deeper at God's plan in all of this. What would have happened if the mom and dad had followed God's plan in raising this boy? this 18-year-old man that shot up these kids. What would happen? You know what the mom said? And y'all are just going to have to excuse me because I came into this morning a little ticked off. I'm working through it. I talked to Duke out here in between services. We're working through it. The mom said, I'm sure my son had his reasons. Don't judge him. Let me tell you something. Not only am I judging him, I'm judging her. And, and for all the people that quote the Bible out of context about not judging people, you, of course you judge people. The Bible just says in the same manner that you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. That's what that scripture is about. But you better judge. You better judge who your, your, your son brings home on a date, your daughter goes out on a date. You better judge these people. You better judge if you have enough time to stop at a red light. You know what I'm saying? You better judge who's leading the small groups in the church. We we better judge. We better be paying attention. You better judge who you trust your passwords to and your money to. I'm telling you, I'm judging him and I'm judging her. Where in the world is the dad? You know what would have fixed this whole thing? Is if we had trusted If they had trusted God's plan in their family raising that boy. Let me me just. 
You're walking through the grocery store and your little four-year-old wants the fruity pebbles. And then you say no, because you don't want to give your kid, kid sugar and all the, the dye that's in the, in the cereal. And then they pitch a fit right there in the aisle. And they're, they're losing their mind. And you see your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers, and you're like, fine, just take the fruity pebbles. You're fixing a problem there, but you're creating one for life. Let me tell you what you need to do instead of giving the fruity pebbles. You need to give them the board of education upside their seat of knowledge, you know? Hmm. Pastor, if I do that, I'll go to jail. It's better you go to jail for disciplining your kids than your kids go to jail because you didn't. And let me, let me say another thing too, because it's, it's so much easier to discipline a child when they're four than when they're 14 or when they're 15. And you know, it, look, if, if you let some stuff slide, and, and you know what, it takes a little bit of time to figure out how to parent. It's, it's work. Anybody have some kids and you're going, holy cow, man, this is, this is some stuff. And you know, honestly, you get a bunch of kids that you're tired out by the time it gets the last one. And a lot of times the older kids are like, well, the youngest is the chosen one, the promised one. You guys never disciplined her, never disciplined him. That's because we're tired out from you guys. (laughs) It takes some work. But listen, we're parents. We're signed up to do this thing and to do family. God knew what he was doing when he laid out the, the family, which is why the shooter at Parkland, the shooter at Robb Elementary, the shooters at Columbine, all these shooters are basically the same people. They're unparented, unconstrained, undisciplined people that have never been told no, and they're doing stupid stuff right in front of their parent or their parents or they're with their grandparent. It's wrong for the grandmother to be disciplining the child, and she's the one that catches the brunt of his reaction because his mom and dad wouldn't handle business. Well, pastor, why are you talking like this to us today? We didn't do anything. Listen, I want you to do family and to raise your children in the way that the Lord has laid it out. And you know what? He will do some things in us. But that wouldn't prevent it. I know it wouldn't prevent that, but it could prevent the next one. And then just beyond that, you know, it's, it's, it's probably not all that in your face but there's a lot of little mediocre kind of transgressions and trauma and conflict and and carnage that happens because we decided to do family or parenting in the way that we saw fit rather than the way that God saw fit. And we've been trying to do this for a long time. In fact, let me just say the last two or three years, I have seen more attacks on the family than I have ever seen in my life. It's amazing to see how shrewd this thing, look, the idea that we need to deconstruct a nuclear family, that's been pushed on us so hard. You don't know what you're asking for. There is a price to pay when you innovate in an institution that was ordained by God before government and before the church. The family is the very first institution that was ordained by God. And yet we, we diminish masculinity. 
Like everybody wants to trash men right now. I mean, it's stupid things like the Tide commercial. There's some man somewhere doing something stupid. The wife, all, you know, she's like mocking the men. I guess the marketers think, well, when they're using the same gender roles that they're mocking. I guess women are at home right now. That's the market that we're appealing to. So we're going to mock their husband. What kind of wife hates her taste in men so bad? that they have to diminish men like that. This is a mistake to remove masculinity from our culture. The same culture, did, did you know that there was a guy sitting in a barber chair, getting a, halfway through a haircut and his wife is a teacher inside that school and she texted him, there is an active shooter in the school. I love you, help. That was her text to her husband. Her husband was an off-duty border patrol officer getting a haircut. This is not the guy that came in and shot the shooter. But this guy got the text. Listen to what he did. He borrowed his barber's shotgun, jumped in his truck, went down in there, found his wife, found his kid, and pulled 20 kids out of that school. But that's what we're going to diminish in this culture. And what we end up at, we lose people like that and we get people like this other joker that's been playing video games, hold up, flunking out, dropping out of school. That's what we get. I'm not down with that trade. And it's all because we think we have a better plan than God has. Now, there's a lot of things we can innovate. We can innovate the church. You're sitting in an innovated church. Because when the early church started, there were no chairs. There was no carpet. There was no building. There was no building owned by the church of Jesus Christ for almost 200 years. So this is an innovation. This is new. We met daily in the temple, a Jewish temple, and then from house to house until the church got up over its persecution and got enough resources to build our own buildings. And they start showing up in archaeology and history. We can innovate the church. We cannot innovate the Bible. And any innovation that happens in the church, it has to line up with the word of God. And let me tell you, there's a lot of churches, even in our town, that are not even churches anymore because they've departed from the word of God. We have churches in our town that are showing up on days and months where we celebrate debauchery and all kinds of sin and wickedness. We celebrate... And, and, and they, they celebrate, not only they celebrate, they champion the causes. Listen, this is not the church of Jesus Christ that does this. And to anyone that's found yourself in a church like that, and you want to be in a gospel faithful church, which we have a lot of them over Mobile, but if you're trying to escape a place like that, first try and get your church back and try and get your building back so it doesn't get hijacked by people that didn't pay to build it. But if you can't, get out of there. We got a seat for you. Where we will preach the gospel and we will do our very best, which is hard work, to live out God's plan in every arena of our life. In family, in work, and with our money, with our time, with our neighbors that we would allow God's plan to slip into our life. And it's not just something that happened over the last couple of years. In Matthew chapter 19, 
you read verses three through six, some Pharisees approached Jesus. And when they approached Jesus, they asked him about how they, are they able to divorce their spouses? And Jesus, you know, they're always trying to catch Jesus in something. And so Jesus says, listen, listen, guys, why are you always looking for the loophole? Why don't you understand right from the beginning? In verse four of Matthew 19, he says, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they no longer, they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. He's saying to the Pharisees, stop trying to navigate your own plan. Instead, trust the plan that's been here since the beginning. So let me just, again, it's not a part of the core of my message, even though I do think it's illustrating the principle. Let me give you just really quickly some highlights of God's plan for the family. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Fathers, this is scripture, don't provoke your children to wrath. Now the children will take that one and they say, well, you're not supposed to spank me. No, because the Bible also says, spare the rod and spoil the child. <laughs> what it means is you, you, you're, you're not to abuse your children. You're, you're not to enrage your children. You're to instruct and to discipline. It's not right to discipline your children when you have not instructed your children. You instruct first, then you discipline. And the goal isn't punishment. The goal is correction. Punishment is saying just whatever you want to say. Instruction is you're building a good man or a good woman. One of my other favorites. Children are like arrows in the hands of a strong warrior. And let me tell you, father, mother, if you don't put your children in your bow, place tension on their life, aim them at the target and release them to hit it. Someone else will pick up that arrow and it will hit some other mark, which is what happened this week in Texas. This is God's plan. So let me just say this. God's blessed plans are better than man's best plans. Your best ideas are no match for God's plan. And so it's really wonderful when we get to the place where we can say, God, you've proven yourself enough. I accept your word as true. I don't have to think through whether or not you have, you have to prove yourself to me, but I trust you. And when we come to that place where we trust God, we don't have to think as much. Instead, we can just execute on what he told us to do. Boy, I'll tell you, is there anybody that just gets tired of the word? Why? Hey, go pick up your clothes. Why? Get ready. It's time to go. Why? Hey, don't speak up like that when you're, you don't say that. Why? Don't talk to your brother like that. Don't talk to your sister like that. Why? Mm. <laughs> but how many of us go through life in our relationship with God like that? Why? Why? It's an amazing thing when we can trust God and we can simply obey. Trust and obey. Say that with me, trust and obey. And one of the things I like to do for the things that are settled, things I do, 
is I like to create systems in my life to make sure those things get done. System is one of my favorite acronyms. Some of you have heard me say this, some of you have not. But a system saves you stress, time, energy, money. A system saves you stress, time, energy, and money. When we put a system around the things that we have already decided, like you, your mortgage, it's important to pay your mortgage. If you don't think it is, don't pay your mortgage and you'll find out how quickly it's important. So a lot of us automate our mortgage payment as a direct payment from our bank account. We do that, same thing with our electric, same thing with our, with our water. Systems. Do we have to go to church today? Yes, we're going to church today, why? I don't even have to think of that because I already put it in my internal system. It's raining outside, it is a three day weekend and you know, I'm tired. And you know, the worship pastor got on my nerves. I'm saying that because I never get on your nerves. It, it would only be a worship pastor, it wouldn't be me. I, I don't even have to think those things. Because I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And you know what, when I'm not glad, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's on a system with me. You know what, let me just be honest with you. There are times I don't feel like going to church and I gotta preach. I gotta preach. You know what I'm saying? Like there are times, it's just not always awesome. You know, marriage isn't always awesome. Raising kids isn't always awesome. Going to work isn't always awesome. But it's important, it's God's plan, and so that's what I do. And there are days when you step into worship and what you're singing doesn't feel like it's matched up with your reality, and that's how it should be. Because when I'm lifting up my voice, I don't want God to match my reality, I wanna match his reality. I want him to do a good work in my life. So it's a system, it's something that we, we do, it's God's plan. At the end of the day, it's, a, it's God's plan. And you gotta put God's plan in action because when you put God's plan in action, it produces blessing. God's plan doesn't produce blessing. When we put God's plan into action, it produces blessing. God's plan is blessed if somebody will pick it up. It's the law that he created. When we partner with that law, then we have aligned ourselves with what causes us to be blessed. So if you want blessing in your marriage, Follow God's plan. Don't hook up with somebody else. Don't get somebody else's phone number. Don't get all messagey with people on Facebook. That's not your wife. That's not your husband. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to honor your husband and honor your wife. Do that in every area of your life and God will really bless you. It's when we put our God's plan into action that it produces the blessing. Now, let's shift over to money because our series, Blessed Life, Best Life, is about how we steward our resources. And I don't know about you, but I want God's plan working in my money. I work hard 
for my money. And it bothers me when I see my money leaking out of some area in my life because my plan isn't working like I want it to. You guys are there too, right? But let me tell you, our, plan, our money should function in God's plan and we should be able to control it. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six and verse um, 24. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I mean, it just says it straight up there. No, you can't serve two masters. And he uses money as the example. So let me try and break this down a little bit my way. We can serve God's system or we can serve man's system. Here's another way that we could say that. We can serve money or money can serve us. I want to serve God and I want my money to serve me as I serve God. I don't want to be beholden to my money. I don't want my money making me do things that I don't want to do. Cutting corners on my values, on my ethics, on my core beliefs. I, don't want, I want my money to line up like a joker. Just line up like I told you to line up and do exactly what I told you to do. I don't want to be making shortcuts, cheating on taxes, cheating somebody out of a contract, cheating somebody out, just shortchanging somebody because I feel like I need it. No, my name is worth more than that. The kingdom of God is worth more than that. My walk with Jesus is, our walk with Jesus is more important than our enslavement to money. So I laid out just really quickly God's plan for family and marriage. Let me lay out just very quickly God's plan for money. Number one, work hard and get paid. Say that with me. Work hard and get paid. Anybody have some calluses on your hands from working hard? That's an awesome thing. Now, some of you are accountants and you don't get calluses. You get paper cuts. That's okay. You get carpal tunnel. That's okay. Whatever it is you do, type as unto Jesus, whatever, you know. Count that money as unto Jesus. Whatever it is that you do, flip those burgers at Burger King as unto Jesus. Work hard and get paid. Turn to your neighbor and say, work hard and get paid. Now, the culture right now says it echoes Marx. Marxism, socialism, communism. It is popular talk. There's all kinds of, you know, pop uh, thought leaders that are pushing this. Mark says this from each according to his ability to each according to their needs. That's socialism, communism. Listen to me, listen. This has never worked in any country ever in the history of humanity. It has never worked. What you end up with is broken country, broken people, starved people, enslaved people. It's a terrible system. It doesn't work. And the crazy thing is, you hear that spoken out loud. Did you know it's actually a, it's a redirect of the words of Jesus Christ? Mark said, to each according to his needs. Jesus says, to each according to his ability. Total, one is equal opportunity, the other is equality of outcome. On the ball team and in life, everybody should not get a trophy. Nobody likes working next to somebody that's lazy and you're having to pick up their slack. 
For those of you that are doing group projects, you hate it when you're the performer, the hustler, the person that's getting everything together and there's somebody else that at the end says, well, let me have your notes. And then they go in and they get the same grade on the paper as you. That's not right. That's weird. That makes, I I could think of people that I just wanted to throat punch over that kind of stuff. That's one reason why people go into sales. They, they get paid, don't get paid based on that. A lot of people sitting around behind desks playing Angry Birds 24-7. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew 25, verses 14, and we'll read uh, to 18. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Or the ESV says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Why do you do that? Because you want the person locking the doors to have the ability to lock the doors. How many of you want an Uber driver that doesn't have the ability to drive? No, thank you. How many of you want babysitters that don't have the ability to babysit? How many of you want babysitters that can't pass a background check? No, we, it's not. Everybody doesn't get to play the same ball game. Now, here's what I think about myself. I don't think I'm a one-talent guy, and I don't think I'm a five-talent guy. I think I'm like a two-talent guy that can out-hustle some five-talent guys. That's just, that's just what I, that's how it's worked playing ball for me. That's how it's worked in life for me. And you know what? I just try to work. And you know what? We don't all have to be five-talent people. There's some five-talent people in this room, and there's some two-talent people in this room, and there's some one-talent people in this room. There's nothing wrong with being a one, two, or five-talent person. The problem is when we take our talent and we bury it in the ground, we don't do anything with it. You don't have to be like anybody else in this place, but whatever God's plan, whatever it is that God has given you, use it, develop it, cultivate it for the glory of God. Don't fall into this culture's trap. You know, it feels like here's what the culture is doing. It's like we're all a little ant farm and the news and the culture just comes along every now and shakes up the ant farm and then watches us attack one another. That's what, you know what? It would be nice if we could all turn around and attack the one that's shaking up the ant farm. That's what I think. I don't know who he is, what his name is, but I'd like to find that fella. We don't have to be like everybody else. What we have to be is faithful. We have to be found faithful in God's plan. Go to Proverbs chapter six. Proverbs chapter six, verse Um, six, and we'll read through verse 11. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no, no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they all labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So here's the plan, work hard and get paid. And whatever you get paid, just work. There's a lot of joy in working. You know what I found? The harder I work, the better I sleep. Boy, it feels good to get a good night's rest. 
Number two, here's the second part of God's plan. Return to God the first 10%. Notice I say return, I don't say give because we can't give something that's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. Every now and then we'll say, somebody will say from the stage, hey, we're preparing to give, the, give our tithes and offerings, but we actually don't give our tithes. We bring the tithes to the Lord because they belong to him. We're stewards. That first 10% is the Lord's. And we know this in Malachi chapter three, verse 10 through 12, that's a passage. It's every pastor's favorite offering passage. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be food or meat in my house. So it's not gonna be a scrawny, emaciated church that reaches the city. It's gonna be a well-resourced church where God's people are working by God's plan to fuel God's kingdom so that we can bless our city, we can bless God and bless our city. Well, pastor, what is the church doing for the community? Well, actually, we, last year we gave out well over a million pounds of food. Actually, yes, last year we were well entrenched at Strickland Youth Center and we, were, we, we helped build out Women's Resource Center and through Women's Resource Center, there's over a thousand abortion-minded women that decided to keep their baby. That's what we've been doing. We've been doing some of that. But you know, the best, the best work of the church it's not even those things. It's not the children's homes that we have in Cambodia. Kelly and I are gonna be in Paraguay this summer, engaging in a new partnership for another children's home and school. And I'm so excited about, that. you guys know that I love that. Kelly and I just love that. But the greatest work of the church that's fueled by the tithe is when we preach the word of God and we have small groups and we're training and instructing. And when that happens, people have more to eat because they understand the word of God and how it applies to their life. And you know, the, the parents train up their children in ways they should go. And so that when they're old, they don't depart from it. And you have fewer kids that are 18 years old going in and shooting up uh, schools and shooting up churches. We had like two church shootings two weeks ago. This stuff is going on all the time. Let me ask you this. What would have happened if those people had been raised in the house of the Lord and, and had been faithful in the house of the Lord? Or here's another question. How many shootings didn't happen because kids are raised in a house like Pathway Church? Oh, that's God's plan. So work hard and get paid. Second, return 10% to God in the tithe. And then three, pay yourself 10%. Pay yourself 10%. So this is a formula, 80, 10, 10. So 80%, lift off by 80%, return 10% to God, pay yourself 10%. And that also goes to Proverbs chapter six. Because in Proverbs chapter six, not only does the Bible say to work hard, but it says work in the summer so that you can eat in the winter. And you know what? There's a time coming where I won't be able to work. But if I work and I paid, I gave God 10% and I worked and I paid myself 10%, then when the time comes that I can't work anymore or that you guys wish I would stop working, <laughs> then I can still get paid. You know how many churches I've watched be built by great men and because they didn't pay themselves 10% that they didn't save, they shrunk the church back down because they were working after they, in the winter when they should have been not working in that same capacity, but they had to keep working because they had to keep getting paid. And let me just say, God has a good plan. 
And it will, will follow it. God will bless it. Now, let me just, anybody 23 years and younger, 23 years old and younger, just raise your hand. Airport campus, Foley campus, raise your hand. Listen to this. If you took twenty two, if you took $2,000 when you're 23 years old and you put it into like a mutual fund that returned 10% a year, which the S&P 500, it averages 10% a year. If you did that, you just put the 2,000 there and forgot about it till you're 65, your money would double six times. The, the way you calculate that, it's called the rule of 72. 72 divided by your rate of return, 10% equals 7.2. So if your money doubles seven times and you put, it doubles six times, six times seven is 42, 42 plus 23 is 65. Then check this out, it's gonna double six times. So 2,000 becomes 4,000, 8,000, 16,000, 32,000, 64,000, 100. 28,000. Wait, did I do that right? <laughs> Dead blasted. Two, four, two, four, no, four, eight, 16, 32, 64. There we go, 128,000 bucks. So you got $128,000 when you're 65 just because you put $2,000 aside. But if you put $2,000 aside every year until you're 65, now you got $1.277 million all because you didn't eat everything you consumed. I mean, everything you produced. And that's not even 10%. God has a good plan. And I'm not saying how you need to invest your money because there are a lot of people that this week probably have had enough of the stock market (laughs) and gas prices and everything else. I could do an altar call right now. This place would be full. But I do know this, that if we would trust God's plan, he would do a great work in our life. I'm gonna close by saying, Kelly and I were a part of the junkie car club for a long time. Presidents, actually. I'll never forget in 2008, 2009, when the housing market collapsed. Man, we got caught under that. And we had two, two new cars and they were both paid for debt-free. You know, we're always hustling, pastoring, working. We were flipping houses. And when that fell, I had all these houses that I needed to sell. And I literally sold my cars to get enough money to pay somebody to take my houses from me. Not cool. Not fun. I texted Kelly or I called her. I said, hey, babe, I found a car. I was driving and I saw this white Dodge Caravan on the side of the road for a thousand bucks. And I went and drove, I bought that sucker. I, I, Kelly never even saw, I just brought, brought it home. And we drove that car, we were happy. God helped us and it was, it was an awesome time of our life. Actually, we, when Kelly's parents, Carl and Sue, were pastoring in Louisiana, we drove up to visit them in that white Dodge Caravan. It died when we were there. We just left it like a disposable razor. We just left it, got a rental car, went back home and got another junky car. It was not a problem. And you know, during that time, as difficult as our personal finances were, we never stopped tithing and we never stopped paying ourselves. I wanted to pay myself before I wanted to pay the bank. 
And I just wanna say, Pathway, you are some of the most generous people I have ever met in my life. But I'm telling you, if you could grab a hold of these principles, that heart for generosity, with an ability to work, an ability to return back to God, and an ability to, to save for yourself or pay for yourself, imagine what 20 years down the road God could do with this church. I plan on putting Pathway Church in my will. I'm gonna do some stuff. I'm gonna do some things. And every year I'm trying to stretch myself just a little bit more. But I know this, man, we can't innovate on God's word. God wants to renovate your family life. He wants to renovate your financial life. He wants to renovate how you spend your time. And man, it's all in this book. It's all in this book. It all belongs to him. I wanna pray for you today. If anybody says, hey, I have an area in my life that I want God to help me do it his way. And I, now I'm not asking you to raise your hand to say I'm, you know, I'm repenting or you, know, um, you, you failed in something. I'm saying, if you want God to help you live by his principles in every area of your life, it, this is not just a matter of sin. This is a matter of wisdom. You say, pastor, I want God's ways to completely infiltrate my life. And you want me to pray for you just right where you are today. At all our campuses, just slip up your hand really quickly. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you. Let's go to the Lord right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the church. It's in times like this that we see the value of the kingdom of God even greater, the word of God even greater. Father, we ask you that we would be able to walk in the precepts of your word, your principles working in our lives. Father, we pray that you would bless our families and our church, our community, Father, our finances, every area of our life. Father, for my brothers and sisters today that raise their hand saying that they wanted God's help in an area of their life, you know exactly what it is. I pray that you would touch them today. Father, help them with decisions. They have hard decisions to make. I pray that you would make them good. They would be clean and they would sleep well. And Father, then you would bring forth the blessings that comes from aligning our action with your plan. Father, that you would do that today. Father, you minister to your hearts. God, I pray for people here today that are desperately in need of you. Father, that they need to know you. Father, I pray that you would grab a hold of them. Your Holy Spirit is already working in their hearts tonight, today, Lord. I pray that you would touch them and minister to them. Father, your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray that you would do that good work in their life today. Father, your ministry, your goodness, we thank you for it. Father, we bless you today. You're an awesome God. You deserve our praise. And we thank you because you have been so good to us. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a great big hand clap and let's bless him right now. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.